0: Oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me,
1: oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, oh yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, Kia ora koutou, and welcome back to another episode of Code with Kingi where we are previewing the final test as part of the Steinlager series, that being the second test against Fiji in Hamilton. And joining me on the podcast this week, is someone who's told me he's an avid listener, so I thought I'd get him on, that being Sam Gallagher. Thank you very much, bro, for listening first and foremost, and um, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on the show.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be on. I've uh, listened to a few of the podcasts, there's been some illustrious guests along the time, a couple of All Blacks, a couple of Canes, uh, Cameron, Nonu, Jeffrey, so big competition to be be along with, I guess, so yeah, it's cool to be on, and uh, I think it's cool what you're doing, so yeah, keep it up.
1: Grateful, grateful, grateful. Well, I guess first off, bro, because I haven't got you on the show and I haven't chewed the fat footy-wise with you in a minute, what have you made of the All Blacks so far across their first two tests and even the squad? Were there any guys that you thought were snubbed? And, yeah, maybe just give me a quick overview of what you thought of the All Blacks.
0: Yeah, bro. So I guess, I don't know, being a Canes boy, I suppose I'm a little bit biased. I would have liked to see Sass in there. But I suppose that's the bias from being a Canes boy. Who else would I like to see in there? There was a few boys. Uh, with with it being Tonga and Fiji, I think we shouldn't have. We should have picked a few, few more new faces, and kind of tested out some of the young guns, or the the new All Blacks, rather than kind of letting Brody and Bodie walk straight back in after a year in Japan. You know,
1: hundred percent, bro. I think you're you're onto it there in terms of like using these tests as as trials almost for the young bucks who wouldn't typically get a go against the likes of Australia, Springboks, Argentina, etc. But I think the thing with Ian Foster at the moment is that he didn't have a very good first impression with the rugby Mm -hmm. public dropping, you know, that historic test match to Argentina and, you know, drawing with the Wallabies and losing to them. So I think he's in the hot seat and this year is going to be a defining moment or could you know could yeah, could be a defining moment for him because if he doesn't step up to the plate, he could be gone. And the fact that Scott Robertson re-signed last week until 2024, that only adds to the pressure that he's already been feeling. So uh well, I'm definitely with you on that one. You know, when you're playing, you know, Minnow, so to speak, and I and I say that with as much respect as possible, you'd like to think that you'd give more of the guys that typically wouldn't get a look and a go. But uh, yeah, like I've just Waffled on about. Um, well, Ian Foster, sorry, doesn't have a lot of time up his sleeve. But obviously we've seen the two test play 102-0 against Tonga and then 57-23 against the Fijians down at Dunedin this past weekend. Um, I've got to say, you know, I didn't think much was going to come from that Tonga game considering the preparation that they had. And I sort of had similar feelings going into last weekend, but the Fijians really took it to them and surprised me. I mean, they were only down eight points, 31-23 with 20 minutes to go in that game. And the difference really was when Dane Coles came on and Sam Whitelock came on to steady the ship. But the biggest talking point for the All Blacks uh, out of last weekend was their inability to really get control of the breakdown in that first half. Things sort of loosened up a bit when the refereeing was a bit more stringent on the Fijians. But even then, they're, they're just this structure, which you don't typically see from a side that's renowned for its flair, you know, around line-out time, they're driving more, they has got a nice it and even the kicking game, you know, it was very Northern Hemisphere-esque, and just the mm. discipline. Yeah, I, it was a shock to me, and going back to the recap I did with Adam Julian on Monday, my biggest sort of nitpicking point with the All Blacks, both from, I guess, the test on Saturday and last year's action was the fact that they haven't shown an ability to learn on the go, And change the game plan when it isn't working to great effect. I'm not sure if that's just me. What if, you know, did you see anything about, or did you see any of what I just um being thought about?
0: Yeah, so I guess my takeaway from the the two tests has been: what really does playing Tonga and Fiji prepare us for? And I guess my thinking was there was so many better games, both for revenue and and for preparation that they could have had to test out these combos like you could have hyped up a north versus south three game series and actually fozzy's saying to the north and south coaches like hey now i want you to test out these combinations for me or you know like an under 25s versus the over 25s probables possibles all blacks versus the multi all blacks there was just better games they could have played i don't see what Putting 100 points past Tonga and 60 on, well, nearly 60 on Fiji actually did. What I did like though was the fact that, like you said, Fiji at the breakdown were, I suppose you could say, dominating an All Blacks team, which was, I think, good for world rugby. I think Dane Coles needs to be talking to some bakery somewhere with four meat pies. He uh, could be getting some type of sponsorship out of that. But yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't think you can really take away a lot from. A Fiji or Tonga grubbing I guess Um, yeah I don't know it's a tough one really
1: I shared the same thoughts and that was my thinking going into the series and I'm not sure about like the the contractual and commercial side of things and maybe there's even something to do with world rugby about giving these minnow teams an opportunity to go up against the best Um, you know and as much as the players and, you know, world rugby will say that it's good for the game for these guys to be tested against the best. I mean, 102 points is 102 points. You know, that must have been demoralizing for them. And then 60 points isn't, you know, the flashiest thing to write home about either. But another one of the talking points that I've taken from a lot of the reading that I've done early this week is the idea of including the likes of Fiji and, you know, Japan because of its commercial upside in a rugby championship seeing as we have no idea what's going to happen with South Africa and the COVID stuff that they have going on at the moment while they're trying to host the British and Irish Lions. But would you be open to the idea of having Fiji and Japan play us on a regular basis, even if the score lines are going to be similar to what we're seeing at the moment over the next couple of years?
0: Yeah, for sure. Like my my background's football man and and you never see the same team win a World Cup every year. It's like a new Uh, well every four years there's a new winner and and you never really see the same eight teams in the quarterfinals you know it's always different whilst when you look at rugby like you pretty much you put your money on the All Blacks to be there the Wallabies England Argentina all them teams where you know if you're going to grow the the rugby game you've actually got to let the Japanese and the Fijians and and all the kind of I wouldn't call it Japan or Fiji tier two. I'd still call them kind of merging tier one, but you've got to give them the opportunity on like a fair basis. Like the eligibility stuff, too. Like imagine if Fiji, Samoa, and Tonga could be like playing the, you know, like the guys that have played a test for the All Black, but have Tongan or Samoan backgrounds. And can actually be eligible to play for Samoa if they didn't play 15 minutes for the All Blacks in 2013. It would actually do so much for the growth of world rugby. And I also think that, like growing up, you see a lot of the, like I don't know how to word it, like the Tongan guys. Like if you're Tonga and you move uh, Tongan and you move to New Zealand, you're more likely to want to play for the All Blacks they've not had any of these like hissing players that stay and stay and play for Tonga, you know what I mean? So if they actually have these, like, I don't know, the guys that have played one or two tests for the All Blacks, but are still way like good enough to be playing world rugby or, or international rugby, then they should be letting them play for these emerging nations, I guess. So yeah. Yeah. Playing the Bledisloe and the Tri-Nations or the, what is it? The rugby championship every year, it's not going to, grow world rugby, but changing the eligibility rules and, and kind of including these emerging countries into it is, you know, and that's what that's what you kind of want to see. You want to see in eight years' time Japan winning the World Cup and stuff like that, you know?
1: I think you've brought up really two good points here. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the eligibility stuff first because I brought that up a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah, like you said, for the guys who... well. As you mentioned, the boys who come over from the islands around that high school age, or maybe even a little bit earlier, their dream, you know, once they land in New Zealand, is to play for the All Blacks. Uh, One, because you know they're the best team in the world, but two, the money's too good to turn down. The reason why these boys don't, not, I wouldn't say it's not being loyal, but the reason why they don't hold out and play for their home country instead of playing for the All Blacks is because you just earn too much money being an All Black. Like, so if there was some sort of incentive for those boys to, for those men, sorry, to play for their home country, um, I think we'd probably see more of them. Um, you know, couple that in with how successful the All Blacks are and the likelihood they are to go on and, you know, secure better deals offshore and to win a World Cup, et cetera. But then even going back to, or sorry, just to round off that point, I'm, I'm, my head's all over the place because you brought up two really, really great points. Um, I'm just not sure, I'm, I'm with you on the eligibility stuff, but it's just about how do you, police it like do you have to put a caps restriction do you have to put a timeline on it to when you know you can only play for another country if you haven't played for the for the first international country you represented um, you know whether that be two three four years um, down the track I don't know that's I think that's probably the the biggest obstacle um, with the soul. But then on to your second point about having the likes of Japan go on and, you know, potentially win the World Cup and, you know, the same goes for Fiji. I think the thing for me is, like you said, we want to be uplifting these island nations. And the island nations for me, just because of how much we take their players. Like if you if you look at some of the best players at New Zealand and Australia, and you even have to look at the likes of France and some of the UK countries have gone on to have, you know, represent them, you know, the majority of them have been, Pacific Island descent and I don't know if it's just me and you know me being a millennial but there's just something I think I just think like world rugby needs like a bit of a shake-up and something to just refresh everything like playing the Australians and the spring box and then going on these northern hemisphere tours you know they're great and I love to see great games of rugby but like you said how good would it be if we had close calls against the Japanese and against the Fijians and you have to give these Teams in order to get them to that level, you know, fair opportunities to play against the best on on a regular basis. So, yeah, I'm I'm a big advocate for getting those guys involved, but again, I'm just not sure how that will work because I even know a lot of the Fijian boys or some or some of the best Fijian players are still stuck over in France, or you know, they've committed to the Olympics this year, Um, and so they didn't even have their their full strength team. So that would have been you know interesting to see how the inclusion of those guys in the current Fijian team would have gone, you know, this past weekend and, and gone into this weekend. Um,
0: I think it's also, too, like the the bigger nations helping out the smaller nations. So, like, the fine example of that was that the Tongan captain, when they played the All Blacks, paid his own isolation fees. And I just would have thought that kind of like the All Blacks or, or World Rugby or somebody would have stepped up and actually not put that kind of financial strain on him because, you know... Would the all blacks have to pay their own isolation fees if they go over to the Northern Hemisphere tour? You know, it's kind of like you gotta you gotta help out the well, I wouldn't say help out, but you've 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 gotta make it fair, you know?
1: Hundred um, percent. And um, as special as playing against the all blacks is sorry to cut you off, bro. I mean that that game was more for the all blacks, both as a training mm-hmm. run. <laughs> again, I say that with all due respect, but also commercially. You know, the, the All Blacks have these big TV contracts that they have to meet with playing games. And that is, you know, that, that Tongan test was a right off even before the kickoff, So, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I found that quite strange, the fact that no one stepped in from the NZRU's side. Um, You know, I mean, they're, they're banging on about how they don't have enough money to begin with or how they're down on money. There was all that talk at the start of the year about the, the Silver Lake deal and selling off 15% in ownership to inject some cash in and get some expertise on streaming and you know other stuff that they can do to help market the All Blacks globally but back to the footy though uh, combinations going into this weekend like I think Richie Mwanga and Damian McKenzie and a few of the other boys will be thrown back into the mix but for you again given what you've seen in those first two tests is there anything that you'd like to see tested before we go up against the Aussies in about a month's time?
0: Well, that's the thing too, Uh, like how after watching the trans-Tasman super rugby, how much more are the Aussies going to kind of offer? Obviously, it's Test Rugby and it's Australia, so you're bound to get a more competitive Test than Fiji, but yeah, I'd still say that the Australia Test are still warm-ups for the South Africa one. By the looks, what the All Blacks have been doing is kind of each – say for example the Dunedin test they debuted De Groot they had Smith captain and they had Frizzell playing. So you'll probably see a lot of the same with the Chiefs boys playing. You'll see Tupia and I'm assuming um, you'll see Brody and Tupo Valle. is that, is that right? There will mm-hmm. be four and five. Um, I know Aiden Ross and the is it the hooker for the Chiefs? They've both yeah. been called yeah. Would, yeah, I mean, it'd be cool to see them, um, even if they're on the bench somewhere there. But you're likely just to see a lot of the Chiefs boys kind of making their way in. I want to see Richie and D-Mac, 10 and 15. I think that's your, I think the richie Bodie thing just needs to stop. I don't think it works, really. Um, and and there's no worry or no problem with having a Bodie come off the bench or Richie at 60 minutes, you know? But I'd like to see them test out this Richie dmac combo because I think them two were the best two players in in Super Rugby this season. Um, other than that, yeah, Brad Webber he'll start. They'll bring uh, well. Then I guess if Webber's starting, I don't know who they'll make captain. I can't. Maybe they'll have a new captain too. Maybe they'll give Brody a run at captain. I don't know.
1: I think um, Sam White I, like will probably get another start there, and he's um. He was the captain in the in the first test. but yeah, similar to you, bro. Like I think they'll go back to like like I mentioned, Richie Wong will go back to ten, and I think we need to keep him there. I think that's the that's the other big thing for the All Blacks. They just need consistency in key positions across their spine. I mean, Aaron Smith, Aaron Smith, he's gonna put in a world class shift no matter like who's around him. But surprisingly, I was more I was quite surprised at how well McKenzie played against Tonga. Again, you know, it was a glorified training run, but he was very, very special. And like you said, he was, he was the MVP of Super Rugby. And although I am, you know, similar to you, I do have a lot of bias towards Geordie Barrett. And I thought that he'd be the guy. He didn't play very well on the weekend. And again, I know that it's hard to look good as a back when the forwards are getting done up front. But, you know, on form... I think you have to give that 15 jersey to Mackenzie Riku Iwani starts in the midfield. I haven't been all that impressed with him, even though I am a fan of him and feel as if he is our answer to 13 just because of the X factor that he brings. But if Braden Ennors fit, I'd like to see him given a go, although I'm not sure how far away he is from recovering from his appendicitis or getting his appendix removed. Yeah, I think it's a toss-up between David Avelli and Quincy Pire. But then, yeah, in the forwards, I'd like to see Hoskins Tutu given one more go. Although, as you mentioned, you know Luke Jacobson did a, did a really good job against again Tonga. I mean, I don't know enough about front row play to comment on that. But you know, just touching on the idea of Tokiaho potentially getting in there for the All Blacks, he's another one. Right, um, when that was first talked about, he's probably like fourth hooker in the picking order at the moment. And if he goes on and plays 10 minutes for the All Blacks, you know, who's to know when his next opportunity is going to be? Because it's looking like Dane Coles and Cody Taylor are going to be the all-black hookers, you know, talking 23-wise up until the 2023 World Cup, and then you've got a sophomore more waiting in the wings. Um, so whether or not Takiaho is prepared to just wait for his opportunity remains to be seen. But, yeah, I just I, I just raised that point, you know, on, on the topic that we talked about with eligibility and, you know, the all-blacks picking guys, and then, you know, whether or not they've just had surplus talent or maybe they just didn't work out for the all blacks on that one occasion. You know, they're then discarded back to their super franchise or their province. And then, you know, there goes their opportunity to represent their motherland.
0: So who would who say the World Cup final is tomorrow, who would be a twelve and thirteen? Like if you off
1: with off is it without and, injuries, like without without so injuries, if everyone's fully fit? Everyone there. Yeah. Well you'd have to go Antonio Brown and Jack Goodhue if it was played tomorrow just from an experience perspective and the fact that they've had the most time in the saddle together but I do think um, and I do take into consideration the fact that Braden Enor hasn't had a lot of burn with just the poor injury run that he's had, I do think that Leonard Brown and Iwani is our most dangerous combination but Again, you know, Riku Iwani isn't doing me any favors here um, with his showing in the All Black jersey with thirteen on his back. So, yeah, I mean, I've I've commented on Quintu Pye. Uh, I think he's a player with a lot of talent, but for me, first and foremost, I need my defend. I need my midfielders to tackle. And I thought that the fact that he was shifted back to twelve after being played at thirteen in twenty twenty. Um, was telling of, you know, maybe his inability to make the right defensive reads at this level. And again, it's only, it was only a second year at Super Rugby, so he's still got a lot of time to mature. And maybe the reason why they picked him was to get him in and around the camp and give him an idea of what it's like to play at that level. But yeah, I don't know. David Havili could be our answer at 12. And maybe, you know, Anton Leonard Brown moves out to 13. So then you've got almost like a second playmaker at 12. And again, Havili played pretty well on the weekend against the Fijians. He was probably one of the better players and what was a pretty lacklustre effort for that first hour. I don't know, what's your opinion then? Who would you go at 12 and 13 if the World Cup final was tomorrow and the All Blacks were playing in it? I suppose
0: mine would be off form. I suppose Braden Enor, well, I suppose the argument for Braden Enor is the same as uh, Havili not enough experience in the All Blacks jersey. I still think Rico's best days are at wing. I'd personally go for a Havili... Leonard Brown combo like you said move Leonard Brown out to 13 yeah it's a tough one ever since I suppose we still letting Lamape go um, we still haven't really got that uh, well I suppose we don't have an answer to anything at the moment with the, uh, the back line I suppose the only real guaranteed spot is is Nugget number 9 um, every other spot in the next uh, what is it 2023 so two years is like take that jersey, you know, and yeah, we thought Caleb Clark had had uh, put his uh, put his claim in for the wing, but then him going to the Olympics is he gonna let kind of like a Will Jordan or or one of the other wingers sneak in there? I don't know. To answer your question, I'd go Havili and Leonard Brown, I guess, but yeah, changes all the time, eh? You look at like Caleb Clark last year was a a nobody at the start of the season. Or a no you know nowhere near an all black we had Nehem on in twenty fifteen came out of nowhere, so we still got time man, but yeah, like I said, I think Smith is the only one that's got a got his name on a jersey right now uh
1: yeah the the outside backs has been a bit of a revolving door. I mean you only have to look to last year where se Severish- Reese you know, only got one start for the All Blacks last year. Or, you know, he, he had less than two games after being a World Cup starting winger. So, yeah, if, if the next two years is anything to go by, like you said, it's um, it's open season for those All Blacks outside back jerseys, mate. But before I let you go, I mean, like, what are your thoughts going into this weekend? Do you feel like the All Blacks will be stronger? Was that just uh, an early taste of what the Fijians have going for them? Or, yeah, what are you predicting?
0: I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's a tough one. I'd like to see a competitive game again. I think it was pretty competitive last time. I think the All Blacks, if it wasn't for Colsey's four tries last week, would have really been probably yelled at in the changing in the rooms by Fozzie. So I think the All Blacks are going to come out hissing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think there was a stat last week on the rugby that it was the first time that the All Blacks hadn't put 60 on Fiji. Um, so you'd probably put your money on that they will this week, um, and yeah, whether they decide to put out the uh, the A team or you know your your starting fifteen um, or your best fifteen this week to kind of say hey we're the All Blacks type of thing, or whether they'll kind of keep testing out a few combinations and play the hometown boys, I don't know. But um, score line, I'm going to go with a eighty plus to none. I think the All Blacks are going to come out hissing and, uh, yeah, show who's the All Blacks, I guess.
1: I'd love to agree with you, but I don't know. I'm I'm just not the biggest fan of Harvey and Foster. And I mean, you'd like to think that with them being the All Blacks and the experience that they have in that forward pack and if they go to their strongest 15, that they are able to do a job, like you said. But I'm not sure if it'll quite hit 80 or if they'll keep them scoreless. Because I think that the Fijians, you know, if they get the first opportunity to take points, they'll take the three. But, yeah, I, I, I'm i hoping for an improved all-black performance. And I'm 99% sure that it, we will see one. But, yeah, I just I haven't just because, you know, we're, I we're guess, going to play I the guess Aussies. for me,
0: I'm, I'm with you. Sorry for interrupting. I'm interrupting. I'm with you with, with the whole Fozzy thing where, like, Graham Henry wrote the first assignment. And then Steve Hansen kind of cheated off him and, and I feel like Fozzie's getting cheat, getting caught out for cheating off off the assignment Graham Henry wrote, you know, many a year ago. And and you need a new you need a new author of the assignment. I think Scott Robertson signing his deal with New Zealand rugby is, is New Zealand rugby saying like you've got this year to sort it out, Fozzie, otherwise like, you know, um, you know, yeah. we'll we'll let you have a resubmission, but uh <laughs> if you don't sort it out. Razor's taking your job, buddy.
1: Oh, I think that's the best way I've heard someone put that whole scenario. So, um, yeah, yeah, props to you, and props to what's been an awesome podcast, my man. Um, I'll have to catch up with you on Sunday or Monday to recap what is hopefully an awesome job done by the All Blacks. But until then, my man, enjoy the rest of your week. And again, yeah, very grateful for your time.
0: Yeah, cheers for having me on. Uh, thought I'd better plug F and C Fridays before I leave. F and C Fridays, Fish and Chip Fridays. We review them. We're finding the best fish and chips in the deep. Uh, any suggestions, King? Where do you,
1: what do you What do you recommend? Uh, there's a place called Sunken Chip and Silverstream. It was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a family favourite because I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's growing up. So if you're ever uh, out up a hutway, stop in at Sunken Chip and let me know what you think.
0: All right. Well, uh, we'll keep it in mind, mate. It's a bit of a bit of a bit of a journey, but. If you say it's worth it, we uh we might give it a review, mate.
1: Please don't hold it against me if um if it goes away with, bro. But yeah, nah, so what was it? Real, so, 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 <laughs> so FNC
0: Fridays. F N C underscore Fridays. Find us on Instagram, mate.
1: All right, bro. I'll be sure uh, to drop a legend, follow, mate.
0: Cheers, bro.